Welcome to Doc Talks, brought to you from NerdWorks Media. Hi, welcome back to Doc Talks, where I Doc Talk. Sorry, we took a couple weeks off, just a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, NerdWorks Media is still running, I apologize. We've had uh, deaths in the families um, of of quite a few of our families. Um, I had the dreaded man cold for a full week, and we are getting back into running around again. I got a few things I want to talk about, and then we will jump into pods as promised. The first thing, and I I feel like it just needs to be said because, well, I guess we don't talk about it enough, is the DM, in running their table, their responsibility to the table, their responsibility to all the things going on in the game, when, when we talk about these people, they may have different ways to do stuff. And change is not bad nor good, and different is neither as well. We talk a lot about rules as written, and we get into rules as interpreted or rules as intended in this show, and even in my games and other projects that I've got. But if a DM has a full homebrew that they use the rules of D&D as a skeleton, and you think they're wrong, I want you to open up the DMG to the first page, bottom right paragraph. I'll never forget it. Somebody actually told me in the in the chat in this show about this it talks about how this is a guideline and when they wrote D 5e it was as a guideline version they wanted it a little bit more open it wasn't supposed to answer all the questions it was supposed to be set up so that you can read the rules and then make your world how you want to there's no right or wrong way to do something there's no right or wrong way to play something I will hazard you to be careful on how strong or easy or whatever you make for your characters. Um, I watch a lot of TikToks. I see a lot of opinions. I also do a lot of online reading. And I am somebody who is involved with and talk to people, a lot of people in the gaming communities. In doing so, I have the privilege of knowing the minds of some people. And a lot of game designers all design their games the same way. No matter if it's board games, tabletop games, uh, card building, resource management, whatever. They build it with the intention that everybody has the same ability to play the game at the same level. And so when they wrote Dungeons and & Dragons and even other ttrpgs they use a lot of words that people don't like because everybody wants to roll their stats but they want to roll their stats with the highest i have never met anybody who's like yeah i would just like to roll a d20 it's always like oh i know we roll 4d6 re-roll ones and take out the lowest well again i've made many tiktoks i will say it on here again if i haven't it's very simple if you want your characters to be really powerful let everybody take 18 If that's what you want, if you want them to use skills that they're proficient in to make rolls against what they're not proficient in, let them just roll a d20 with no modifiers and make everything a single dc. Even if you don't want that kind of, what I'm going to warn you though, you're taking away from is the beauty of the randomness and the decision making in builds. 
I see a lot of people trying to define what min-maxing is. Everybody's absolutely wrong when they define min-maxers. And I guess I should say it's progressed in a definition. Min-maxing is not making a character that's good at what your character does. Min-maxing is a word used from before when this was a war strategy game to concentrate all your attributes into combat and not into role-playing. This game, like Warhammer, like many games of the time, was a war strategy game. And we have to remember that that's its basis. It has evolved. It is now an RPG. I get that. As much as the older players need to accept the role players, the role players need to accept that that was the term of the game. And I think it's beautiful when everybody comes to a compromise. I hate it when I hear about tables that fight and people tell them what they can and can't do, especially somebody who quotes the rules or even quotes Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Crawford on that. The game is meant to be fun. It's meant to pretend to be somebody that you're not or that you want to be. So if you've ever played D&D before, there's a stereotype on bards. And, and I want to destroy the stereotype that's out there. First off, I played bards in 2E. And they were more complex, a little bit harder to make, but they were still very deadly. And in my opinion, they really are some of the most versatile, lethal classes in D&D from all the extra stuff that they possibly have. When you look at bards historically, it, the Celtic composers, the uh, eulogy, and even satire, that's what people think of. If you're a little bit more and you get into like the first century studies of it, you look at Latin authors and minstrels of England were called bards and so forth. So what we could trace this down to is bards are storytellers, oral historians, genealogists, verse makers, music composers, all of these. But in the traditional sense of bard, they worked for somebody. They had a patron, whether it be a king or a lord, somebody who owned land they worked for. And they did stuff for them, not just the praise to get for having a great play or a great piece or good music, but gathering secrets. They, they needed to pretend to not know what was going on and understand everything that was being said. And they would bring secrets and little things that they heard back to their kings or lords or whatever. It was a very big political move. Sometimes they even performed as fools. And the funny thing is, if you look into the fools, they could have been assassins. They hinted towards that in some historical books. So if we remember that, and we want to be historical with our bards, we have a lot to deal with. And even if we take that further because our imaginations are bigger than history can be, we can make it better. More, not better, excuse me, we can make it so there's more variety, even within each of these. And we're going to talk about each of the colleges today, but... Remember, bards are proficient with weapons. They, they get attacks. They have spells. They have thieves' tools. They can use anything. They are the jack of all trade, the Swiss army knife of D&D. &D. And most of the time, they are a support class. It depends on how you build it. You could build a, f a fighting class. Um, just by choosing certain spells. But as a support class, I think a lot of their power comes from that. 
So one of the first ones, and we're just going to go in alphabetical order, we're going to talk about is the College of Creation. And in the book, it says, Bards believe the cosmos is a work of art. The creation of the first dragons and gods, that creative work includes harmonies that continue to resound their existence today, a power known as the Song of Creation. The bards of the College of Creation draw on that primeval song through dance, music, poetry, and their teachers share this lesson. Before the sun and the moon, there was the song. And its music awoke the first dawn. Its melody so delight in stones and trees that some of them gained a voice of their own. And now they sing too. Learn the song, students, and you can teach the mountains to sing it. So the really cool thing about this is, and, and I will tell you, this one's out of um, Ta Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. You can use your inspiration for ability checks, attack rolls, saving throws, the D20s. But you get something like at the very beginning, I think it's level three, uh, performance of creation. And you can pour the song of creation as your character into other magical items. If you perform in a city at a tavern, like some people play their bards, and you can, you use the song of creation, you may leave that town with magical items. And who knows what the repercussions are? That's always up to the DM, but it's always fun. As you go on, you get animating performance, right? And so you can create dancing items. What does that mean? Well, it's kind of like summoning a creature, except it's other stuff that becomes a dancing creation of the song of creation from you towards others. It lives for an hour. If it's reduced to zero hit points or you die or that hour's up, it stops existing. You can actually command the item as part of your bonus action if you use your bardic inspiration on this, which is just another avenue for the bardic inspiration from everything that it is and the cool thing is is it comes with a, a good amount of hit points so it's 10 plus five times your bard level it has an armor class of 16 it has a speed of 30 it can hover fly at 30 it's got really decent extra stuff that comes with it and this is this is all beyond the regular bard stuff that one would get Later on, you get that cre creative crescendo. So if you ever make it to 14th level, you use your performance of creation feature, you can create more than one item at once. Um, only one of these items can be of the maximum size that you can create. The rest must be small or tiny compared, or as, as they are, and you no longer limit the gold value of what you create when you do this. This can be a lot of fun in a party. And I don't mean like party tricks, but like a lot of fun in a D&D &D party. The second one is eloquence. And, and I, the more I read about eloquence, the more I like it. So eloquence, though it's in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, was also in the Odysseys of Theros. And I own both and found it um, in Theros on accident when I was trying to get ready for the bard talk. And so, eloquence, ad adherence of the eloquence, master art of oratory. So basically, just to break this down, third level, right when you get this, your master is saying the right thing at the right time. When you make a charisma, persuasion, or charisma deception check, you can treat a d20 roll of 9 or lower as though it was a 10. So this is a lot like, uh, I think, the rogue thief ability, is it? where you can't roll below a 10 
for certain. I think if you're proficient or if you're not proficient. Um, I had to look over rogues again. Yeah, we'll get there. We're going off book order. You could, as you go on, a lot of this is your, your words. Also at level three, you get a second thing called unsettling word. It says you can spin words laced with magic. So let's take that little sentence there. That doesn't mean you have to play an instrument or sing or rap. Um, I knew a bard one time that just told really bad jokes. A lot of this, too, is storytelling. That's what traditional bards were, were storytellers. Oral history, if you will. As a bonus action, you can expend one of your bardic inspiration. Choose one creature you can see within 60 feet. Roll the bardic inspiration die. The creature must subtract the number rolled from its next saving throw it makes before the start of your next turn. If you're all working together, again, remember... This isn't about role-playing at this point, even though you could put a lot of role-play into these. This is about teams working together as a strategy game, and, and it has amazing features. Unfailing inspiration at 6th level. Most of us will get there with our characters. Uh, when a creature adds one of your bardic inspiration die to its ability to check attack roll or saving throws, and the roll, roll fails... The creature can keep the Bardic Inspiration die instead. So if they use the Bardic Inspiration die in one of those, and it still fails, it's like they never used it. Also at 6th level, the Universal Speech. So basically, you gain the ability to make your speech intelligible to any creature. As an action, you have to do this. It's up to 60 feet. Up to the number um, of creatures equal to your Charisma modifier, minimum 1 can magically understand you regardless of the language that you speak for an hour. That's pretty good. You can only use it once, and you can't use it again until you do the long rest feature. Um, I think you can expend spell slots again to to reuse it. But imagine that in just the roleplay aspect. So this is one of the things that I think they've done well with when they rewrite these rules that and they adapt things into it this isn't something you use in battle this is something you use for rp and even if it's rp in battle it's still not the combat itself this is something i don't know when you don't want to fight some being when you go into their land you don't want to kill them but they don't understand you you don't understand them this is a great feature it also changes a little bit of the aspect. It gives you other things that you can do. And it makes it, I mean, pretty amazing is what it comes down to. And then if you ever make it to 14, infectious inspiration. Um, when you successfully inspire somebody, the power of your eloquence now spreads to someone else. When a creature within 60 feet of you adds one of your bardic inspiration dice to ability checks, attack rolls, or saving throws, and it succeeds, you can use your reaction to encourage a different creature, other than yourself, that can hear you within 60 feet, giving it another bardic inspiration die without actually using another bardic inspiration die. I am a big fan of eloquence. Eloquence, to me, is more the bard that I picture in my head when I think of bards of old. They don't sing the songs that we sing today, and the music of the time was literally just playing chords on instruments while you spoke in verse or poems. But there was also storytelling, and they were great at storytelling. And um, 
almost if you could think of like C-3PO talking to the Ewoks, where they drew the attention of everybody around them and the people felt the story, not just heard it. Eloquence is a wonderful RP tool. It really does. There's a lot of RP elements to it. And having the extra bardic inspiration is very battle-oriented, even the limited number of times that you would have with the reaction. Like I said, jacks of all trades. They get more in proficiency skill points than anybody else. When we're building our characters, if that's what we want, these are stuff to think about. The next one is lore, and that's from the player's handbook. It's one of the original ones. The cool part about this is, that, again, it makes me think of the old bards. So collecting bits of information from sources, putting things together, understanding and being able to quote lore is, in and of itself, pretty good. And I think specifically in this one, if you read it, and, and I was just looking it up because I'm sure it's in there. Yep. Whether singing folk ballads in a tavern or elaborate compositions in a royal court, these bars use their gifts to hold their audiences spellbound. This is pretty awesome as well. And one of the original cool RP moments would be the lore one. But when you're in a world and your DM is playing lore-based, in and of itself, a really good way to have somebody that... You don't have to really count on the fails and successes of other roles, even though you really should, as a DM, allow other people to try to remember and use, if somebody is a lore bard, to have them as like a backup that they can recall that information or make it lower DC for them. But don't just throw it at the lore bard because of their proficiency. Make sure other people are involved with the game as well. This one allows you to do cutting words at third level. So basically you use your bardic inspiration when an enemy attacks, does an ability check, or even their damage roll. You can actually spend your bardic inspiration dice to decrease that number. Um, and it has little things in it, like if the creature's immune to those effects, if it can't hear you, or it can't be charmed, it has no effect on it. Because it is a charmed effect of what you're doing. Um, at 6th level, you get the additional 2 spells of your choice from any class. And if you make it to the 14th level of this, you get uh, Perilous Skills. Uh, when you make an ability check, you can expend a Bardic Inspiration die. And then add the number rolled to your ability check. And you can and remember, when you use Bardic Inspiration, you don't have to say, unless your DM tells you those are the rules at your table... You use the Bardic Inspiration after you make the roll, but before you know if it succeeds or fails. And that's kind of important, because like if you roll a 1 or a 4, or you have a really low number, and in your head you're thinking, wow, even if I roll max, what is it going to do for me? It gives you a little bit more sense. Remember, it's a game of resources. And so this is one of the resources that we have in the game, to add in to other resources that we have that we wouldn't have access to any other way. One of the newest colleges, in, as we're going down alphabetically, is the College of Spirits. Um, and at third level, when you take this, this, you get the Guiding Whispers, right? So you learn Guidance Cantrip, which doesn't account the number. It, it's an extra cantrip that you get. Um, and for you, it goes out 60 feet. And I believe... It, guidance might be touched. I didn't look it up. I should have. 
and I play quite a few games that have the spell Guidance in them. Bards of the College of Spirits seek tales with inherent power, histories, or fictions, and bring their subjects to life. Using occult trappings, these bards conjure spearmen, abandonment, blah, 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 blah. You could use this so many ways. Medieval paranormal investigator. Command of an old god. The call of Cthulhu coming in full D&D 5e. Medians, spirits. If you're trying to do any of that kind of stuff, try to change this class to what you want it to be. And again, just because the college says it has to be specific, my rules of DM, and I hope more DMs think the same way, is it doesn't matter to me how we get there as long as the effect in the end is the same. As long as what is supposed to happen happens, it doesn't matter how you get there. And as long as you stay within that, you could flavor anything that you want to. You also get spirit for focus. A lot of spirit stuff here. Uh, you employ tools to aid you in channeling spirits. Um, sixth level, when you cast bard spells that deal damage or restore hit points through your spiritual focus, you roll a d6 and gain a bonus to one damage or healing roll of the spell equal to the number roll complicated tales from beyond there's a whole saving throw to some of these it's actually interesting so using your spiritual focus using a bonus action so you have to use your bonus action and a bardic inspiration of the day you roll on the spirit tales table using your bardic inspiration die to determine the tale um, you can use an action to choose one creature you see within 30 feet of you and uh, this can be you as well, to be the target of the tail's effect. Once you do so, you can't bestow the tail's effect until you roll it again. I was just thinking about how this really fits in like a shaman idea of a class. And so there you go, bards cross over into shamanism. And as you go up in of the, the College of Spirits, it gives you other functionalities which could be fun like, Tales from Beyond is very unpredictable if you think about it, rolling on that chart. Magical secrets can be found using ancestors, spirits. And, and I love that they in, include the ancestors. That's what made me think about it as more of, like, shamanistic than anything else. If you get high enough, right, you get to that mystical connection. Not a, a lot in the mystical connection focus that does a lot for you but when you roll on the table you can roll it twice and choose which one you want it's like i don't know if it's higher level in wild magic or if it was a magical item somebody had told me about but if you roll the name summer uh, the same number on both dice you can ignore the number and choose any effect on the table which is kind of cool and i might use that in games where people are wild magic as well i kind of like that Bards are, are very hefty. We have two, three more we had to get through. College of Swords, out of Xanathar's Guide of Everything, is another one. They're called Blades, and they entertain through daring feats of weapon prowess. So if you think jugglers or what's those extreme shows nowadays where people get out there and they like shoot arrows at cards, having guests hold them, throw knives at people with blindfolds on, those kind of things. And they can do mock combat skills as well if you have a full bard party too you could really like work it in as some of the the plays that people used to go around and travel and play but they also had a secondary function 
your you you can all play and plays and then you can do extra things. It gives you a little side quest to do. And uh actually it would be fun to see what would happen with a full bard party. I think it would be very well done. I, I it we did an all cleric one one time. It worked out really well. Bards are definitely when I think about what you can do, bards are definitely one of those that you definitely could do a whole party of bards and it'd be great. Right off the bat, the bonus proficiency, so your armor goes up. So you can go to medium armor. Some people hit or miss with that. The scimitars, if you especially if you want to do two-weapon fighting. I love the scimitar idea in two-weapon fighting. You also get the fighting style pick with this. The dueling or two-weapon fighting. And again, I'm not encouraging you to do anything. I'm thinking about me and what I should do. Blade Flourish is not as awesome as it should be the inspiration die doing extra damage to a creature later on when your inspiration die is higher it's great but the extra damage is, is interesting and it, it would only be interesting in the way that your dm does um more critical hits i think would make it way more interesting having that extra one but you do the defensive flourish using the bardic inspiration slashing and and these are what they they sound like the mobile mobile flourish right Every single one of these is very interesting, and it, it, I think it would be more, if I was going to play a, a bard from the College of Blades, I would be talking to my dungeon master and see where they would want it to be or how they were going to play that. The extra attack is always awesome, especially Booming Blade is another one, too, that would be awesome with this as well, and I think you get that. Um, and then if you make it all the way to 14, the Masters Flourish, right? And two-weapon fighting, you get three attacks. It applies to the Flourish. By the time you get to 14th level, and, and I will say it's like if you get to 14th level, that's where it gets into. That's where a lot of classes get interesting, but for this one, it's a slow buildup. It's a lot of good buildup. I do like it, especially for battle scenarios. It's gives you a little bit more idea of what you're going to do during your turn. It gives you more options. For some people, that's not good. For me personally, I like to have a few more options. And Swords is from Xanathar's uh, Guide to Everything. The other one from the Player's Handbook is Valor. It's your martial-minded one. This is your original fighter. So somebody play this as like an announcer at a fighting ring, which is awesome. She did a wonderful job. These are the bards, when you think about them, the Viking mead halls. I think it even says that in the writing. I don't have it in front of me. I should. Traveling around. Accomplishment. Here it's, heroes are old and even probably even trying to tell their own stories. They get the bonus proficiency with the medium armor and shields at the beginning as well. They get combat inspiration, which this is cool. Using the inspiration die for damage as well. Just like College of Swords especially with however your dm is going to do critical hits is amazing to me and has amazing connotations again this one also gets the extra attack and if you make it to 14th level the battle magic using the bonus action i think you also use inspiration dice and you again the booming blade comes to mind to me i think there's other ones like green flame blade and other things like that and the last one is, we're going to go a little over, I hope you guys are okay with that, the College of Whispers, again from Xanathar's Guide to Everything, is one of my new favorites. Whispers is an assassin bard. I don't know how else to put it any other way, but it is what I think of 
And where like Dragon Age Bard kind of comes in, those kind of ideas of Bard. Real heavy role playing with this one. I, it doesn't have the battling prowess that some of the other ones do when it comes to the the strategic, old strategic games. Psychic Blades, you think, uh, having them you think would be a little bit more powerful. They're not powerful. However, it's extra damage, does great. You're kind of gambling on a single attack each turn. But, again, it's, it's one of those things. It does give that little bit no matter what, though. Words of Terror. Interesting. I would love to hear how other people would use Words of Terror. Because I have an idea what I would do. But there's so much more to it. Sixth level, when you get the Mantle of Whispers, that one's pretty cool. Very situational, but pretty cool. Um, the idea of secretive bards. That, that bard I was talking about before who traveled for their master, pretended not to be the best, but always was looking for secrets. Probably assassin, you know, maybe a little assassination, other things like that, which this one reminds me more of assassinations. But again, it's a battle game, so it makes sense. And if you ever make it to 14th level, Shadow Lore is amazing. It, it's like Dominate Monster for eight hours. You could charm bosses, NPCs to reveal plot locations. You can get really creative with this, and it's, again, really useful. But again, the level 14, and it's super hard to get there. In a couple of weeks, we may have a surprise on this channel for you guys on Monday night, so pay attention to that. Or if you're interested, come to our Discord and uh, talk around there. I'm sure some people know what's going on. Thank you guys for coming. I really appreciate it. As always, keep it nerdy and live your dreams. Later! This has been a NerdWorks production.